Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Give this a shot. Heavenly Father, we come together tonight and thank you for the invitation that you've given to all of us to come and to be partakers of your word and your spirit as you reach out to us tonight and and anoint my mind to bring your word forth. Um, we're privileged to be in the Ecclesia. We're privileged to be called out from this world to be your chosen bride, to be your love. We thank you for that, God. And we pray, and I have prayed, and I, and I do pray that everyone in this place tonight, Lord, would, would feel your presence that we would feel the unction of the Holy Spirit throughout this place and that your anointing would, would be on your word and on my mind. And we praise you and thank you for all that you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. I have uh, some handouts here going to be continuing what I've been working on, the simplicity of the gospel, lesson two. And so if you would want to pass these around, that would be good. Thank you. Now, my notes this week are not quite as detailed as they were last week, um, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that this works out well for everybody. Hopefully, all the scriptures that we're going to be touching tonight are listed there, so you can go ahead and turn to the, to the next scripture, and maybe I like to read ahead so that I can get my brain in gear. Anybody else have to get their brain in gear tonight? Nobody? Just me. Okay. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, let's start there. Uh, we find the multitudes following Jesus. Uh, that word multitudes is um, translated as a, th a throng or a class of people. So these were particular kind of people. Um, that were following him, but there was many of them. It was a th like a throng. It was a huge number of people uh, that were following Jesus. He went up into the mountain and sat down. Um, he, he didn't sit down to rest, but he sat down to teach. Sitting was the way that teachers and um, and masters and priests... When, when they went, wanted, were going to talk, when they were going to teach, they would sit down. And that was an indication to everybody there that they should mark up because something's coming. We're going to hear. We're going to hear something. Um, so when he was seated, his disciples came to him. But it wasn't just 12 men. It wasn't just the 12 apostles. Uh, they were disciples. Uh, it was a multitude of his disciples like in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 17, where a whole crowd of disciples gathered. Jesus had many disciples. People followed him uh, a lot, and they learned from him. It, it was, he was specifically training 12 men to be the apostles to uh, build and lead his church after he rose from the dead. Uh, he had those designated, but he had way more than 12 disciples Anybody who disciplines themselves to, to follow him, anyone who is disciplined in his teachings and in his ways is a disciple. Uh, it was a multitude of his disciples that gathered around to hear him. And Jesus taught these disciples um, many simple things uh, to ease their, their troubled minds, to encourage them, to bring peace and hope and joy to them, 
through righteous living. And this was known as the Beatitudes. You'll find it in your Bible in uh, beginning in, in uh, chapter 5, actually, of Matthew. Uh, he told them things of comfort. Um, he told them about comfort that would come to them uh, that would replace their mourning. Um, it's hard really to imagine and know what life was like for these followers, these, these disciples of, of Christ, the times that they lived in. Um, I know when we look back on it, it seems very rough and, uh, and torturous almost to be alive in those days, trying to find food, having to walk everywhere you went or ride on a camel. Um, and, and actually for one of us to go back then, and to live like that, it would be difficult. It'd be a real challenge to do that. Uh, however, for them, it was common. It was common day. They were likely right on the cutting edge of technology for their day, so they didn't consider it a hardship to themselves to live this way because that's what life was. Just as today, in these trying times that we live in today, so many things are going on uh, in our world uh, that are hard to understand, and particularly in, in our government. Naturally, that's what is in our focus, is what we are, or what we are exposed to every day. And, and our country is beginning to turn into a bizarre country uh, where truth is just questioned uh, as the default approach to truth is to question it and lies are being told and accepted by so many. Uh, so even though we, we have so much technology, and even now technology with artificial intelligence is becoming a threat to our privacy, a threat to our livelihood, really. We, we don't really know what is going to come next through it. But thankfully now our, um, our Writers Guild is going back to work. Isn't that a relief? Is, is everybody maybe relieved that we are now going to have new programming? <laughs> well, I don't want to build you up too much because actually I believe that uh, they're probably not going to get back to the Walton's type uh, story writing. Um, I think we're stuck with the bad language and the sexuality and and strange sexuality that they're pushing as on a regular basis, uh, trying to drive it into our heads or down our throats, whichever the case may be. Um, but they back in in the days of Jesus, um, there were people who had problems just like we have. It was new, fresh problems for them, and they were having to deal with them on a regular basis. And he said that there would be comfort to replace their mourning. He said those that hungered and thirst uh, after righteousness would be filled. Imagine that if you, if you can. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness would be filled. Imagine that happening in America today. Those who hunger and thirst after things that are right to be filled. I mean, they're setting up places. They, they just opened one up over in Owensboro, a place for people who are having, uh, having emotional problems. They can come and sit together with other people who are having emotional problems and discuss their emotional problems and try to get over their emotional problems and just have company there. A lot of this is a result of the, the uh, restrictions that were placed on people in America during the COVID uh, crisis that was going on. And people got disconnected. They, they were disconnected from each other. It's, imagine, it, it's a wonder that even people could talk to each other. They couldn't find a way to put a mask on a cell phone, so texting was still available. And Facebook didn't have to wear a mask either. So we got that taken care of there. But the human contact 
was severely restricted. And um, so since that time, we haven't really been able to get along. It's important that we need to get ourselves back together and in touch with one another in this country. And those things are going to happen. But the pure in heart uh, would see God was another one of the was another one of the things the the promises in these beatitudes that the pure in heart would see God. Do you ever feel like your uh, right intentions go unnoticed when when you feel like you're doing things right? You feel like you've got something that you want to do that is a right thing to do. Do you ever feel like it's just kind of passed off, maybe, uh, that the right people don't get it? And other people, if nothing else, will either pass it off or, or make light of it, like it's not really important. But Jesus was bringing them, in the Beatitudes, was bringing them hope and peace with all of these life issues, all of these things that go on in life. Um, and and it, it was to his disciples that he was bringing that. As Jesus was teaching his, uh, these disciples, he reassured them by telling them what great attention they have from their heavenly Father. Your Father in heaven. We, we all know that God loves us. We, we know that we are precious to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have developed the plan before he created us to save us. He knew which way we would go, but he had that all taken care of. In Matthew 6 and 31, which is the next chapter, um, we have Jesus speaking here. Saying, he, he says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows that. And he is your heavenly Father. So he's not going to let you go uh, without. How many dads in here are going to let their kids go without? You're not. You'll, you'll find a way. You'll, you'll figure out a way to take care of your children. In verse 33, it's, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus made this in order. In order, the things that you must do. The, the most important thing was the first thing. Seek first the kingdom of God. And this is the first place in the Bible that the kingdom of God is even mentioned. Um in this address to his disciples. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, we're talking about the simplicity of the gospel tonight. How simple is that? Don't worry about it. Tomorrow is bad, is evil enough to take care of its own self. Um... He's going to take care of it. Our Father's going to take care of it. But he mentions this uh, seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? When we, when we uh, say that, when we think of the kingdom of God, it kind of gives us a mental picture of heaven or uh, some, some goal or some state of being that is waiting for us, like in the future, maybe even outside of this life, in, in the next life after we pass and, and we leave here. It's something that we essentially look forward to when, you, when, when we think of the kingdom of God. But he said to seek it first, and then all of these things would be added to them. Jesus told us, uh, that it was very difficult for a rich man to enter into it in Matthew 19 and 24. So that lets us know that it's something that 
a rich man is going to have a hard time getting into. It still doesn't tell us when, but uh, it's a hard thing for a rich man to enter in to the kingdom of God. So that's kind of a clue. Uh, the kingdom of God uh, will be taken from the chief priests and the Pharisees and given to a nation that brings forth the fruits of it. So now we kind of have a win. We kind of have a win. This is something that's taken place on the earth because the kingdom of God is going to be taken away uh, from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And it's going to be given to a nation uh, that brings forth the fruits of it. So we're, we're, we're getting a better picture of what the kingdom of God is. Um, after John was put in pre prison, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand in, in Mark 1 and 15. Now we see that the kingdom of God was at hand, which kind of sounds like it's right there where you could grasp a hold of it. You could reach it. Um, and that was when, when uh, John the Baptist was put in, in prison. That's been a long time ago. So the kingdom of God has existed for quite some time. Um, Jesus also said in Mark 9 and 1, Surely I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now we definitely know, we, we have a definite there, that the kingdom of God was at hand and available and that there were going to be those that Jesus was talking to during this sermon that would not die before they saw the kingdom of God present with power. So we're getting a better picture of the kingdom of God. It's something that they could see. It's something that they could grasp in their day. So surely today it still exists. In John 3 and 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see is, it comes from the Greek word uh, ido or ido. And it means to know, be aware of, perceive, or understand. So what's Jesus telling Nicodemus? Unless you're born again, he cannot see or understand. He can't perceive the kingdom of God. It, it takes this rebirth. Who, who's been reborn? I know I have. This is the most outstanding day of my life when I was born again, when I repented of my sins and the Spirit of God just overwhelmed me it's such a landmark in my life that it has lasted many, many, many years. It affected me. And, and if you've ever had that, you know it. Now, explain it to somebody, and that's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but if you've been born again, you know it. If you haven't been born again, get that way. Um, we are born again. If we have, if we have repented... And the Spirit of God has come into us. We are born again. We are the ones who understand that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you understand what I'm talking about there, uh, that was in Romans 14 and 17. Uh, if you understand what I'm talking about, if you understand what this is, then you have been born again. If you can really grasp a hold of that and understand it, there's nothing like it. Uh, I want to go from, from this point to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle, 
He mentions bondservant first. That's the first thing he is. And secondly, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the, the Tree of Life version, everybody, anybody familiar with the Tree of Life version? Um, it is, can't think of his name. Do you know Jason? Oh, I don't even know why it escapes me now. It, it's a, a Jewish rabbi, and I can't think of his name, a Jewish rabbi that uh, has in the near past, uh, has taught many things about the gospel. He is a, a Christian ra Jewish rabbi, and he was a big part of this uh, Tree of Life version. He, in, in, in that version, it reads, Simon Peter, a slave and emissary of Ma Messiah Yeshua, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Messiah Yeshua. When you read those words, when you think about what it's being, what's being said there, we have received a faith the same as the faith of the apostles who received the, the, the truth and the, and the faith in Christ. We have received the same thing, and we've received it through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Messiah, Yeshua. This is big news. It's, it's a huge honor when, when we stop and consider who we are and what is being done for us by the creator of the universe, the almighty, powerful, everlasting, almighty God who is over and above everything and everyone that has ever been created or ever will be created. He is God Almighty. And He is looking down on us. More than looking down on us, He is, he is with us. Not as a group, Yes, as a group, but even more so, more specifically, more focused, he is with you. He is with you and has given you the understanding, the, the perception of this faith in Jesus Christ. He has shown you and me the things that pertain to God. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things, all things that pertain to, to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Because you know him, he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given by which have been given to us exceedingly that's that's through this knowledge has been given us to us exceedingly great and precious promises these are important words the the creator of all things the creator of the universe esteems the, the things that have been given to us as exceedingly great and precious promises. He's not one that just idly says things. God's not one that just idly lets things fly out of his mouth. He says what he means, and he sees this as exceedingly great and precious promises that, th that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What is that divine nature? We're partakers of it. I'm partaker of it. Anybody else a partaker of it? 
the divine nature. We're talking about the nature of God Almighty. We're partakers of that nature. How can we, in our human existence, even, even imagine that we would be a partaker of the divine nature of the most holy God? I know that without holiness, no man will see God. When I try to think of myself as holy, that's a stretch. That's a real stretch. And it's not that I'm such a vulgar person, but I am a person. And that in itself kind of excludes me from holiness, seems like. But we were, give, we were uh, made to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I've done that. Anybody else? Go ahead. Throw your arm up there. Have, have you been, um, have you escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust? You should have. You should be there. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You ever wonder sometimes the words you read, what they really mean? Virtue is excellence. Add to your faith excellence, and to your excellence knowledge, to the knowledge self-control, and to self-control patience. Patience. Anybody ever have a problem with patience? Nobody's putting their hand up. Really, you can feel free to do that. If, you, if you've had a problem with, with patience, you can put your hand up. If I, if I put it up where it belongs, I... My foot's going to leave the ground here. I'll be on one foot because I've had a problem with patience. Uh, but but I've, I've had help with that. To patience, godliness. Okay. That's a hard one to say. Say, I am godly. Not me, you. Try to say that. Think about it. Godliness. Um, to godliness, brotherly kindness, which is that, that word brotherly kindness, kindness is Philadelphia. Uh, remember that the Bible tells us that they will know us by our love one to another. Um, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Anybody have a clue what that word love, what the original word is for that? Agape, uh, yes, agape. It's actually it's uh, specifically a plural word, and it translates love feast. We're not really um, supposed to just add to our brotherly kindness. We're supposed to add. A feast, a huge feast of love. You know, it's kind of hard to even get that out. Because if I say love feast, in my mind, it sounds like I'm talking about something that's not something we talk about in church. Just because of the world we have had to come up in, the things that are going on in society the condition of this world. And I'm not a doomsday preacher, but I'll tell you what, things are really getting bizarre in this world. And what that, that doesn't worry me because I've read the end of the book. It, it doesn't cause me to panic because I've read the end of the book. It could cause me trouble, but that trouble really is not trouble because he, God, Almighty is there with me to help me through these troubles. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, we just heard that. We, we don't walk into it, we walk through it. 
and uh, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, things are happening all around us, and we know that, and we can see it. But to, to be able to make it in this world, uh, it says, For if these things are yours and abound, what things? Patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, knowledge, virtue. If these things uh, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The key, wor the key word there, think about it. I'm going to read that, that verse again. For if these things are yours, that means you, you possess them, and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a good time for self-examination. Do all these things. I can go through that list, list again. Um, add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. And to knowledge self-control or patience. Uh, to patience godliness. To brotherly kindness. Uh, add love. If all of these things are in you, if they're all yours and you abound in them, what does it mean to abound? Do you abound in all of these things? Do you live diligently in all of these areas, all of these things that have been mentioned? If you do, you won't be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then if you're having a hard time trying to decide whether these things are in you and abound in you, uh, there's kind of, a, kind of a test strip here, like a lit, uh, litmus test. Uh, if they abound in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have offspring in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have fruit on your vine? Are there things that are happening in your life? pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom? If so, then these things are in you, and you do possess them, and they do abound. If not, like I said, it's a good test. When our swimming pool got opened this year, it was green from the bottom up, thoroughly green. We were shocked, and that's what we had to do to the pool. We had to shock that puppy big time and put chemicals in, make changes, and bring it around and wash out and get rid of all of the contaminants that were in that water. And if, if you've got some cloudiness in your life, you can't just let it sit there because you let a green pool sit, it'll eventually get black. It takes a while. It'll only get worse. You've got to do something with it. So if these things that I'm talking about tonight uh, are not quite the way you think they should be, the thing to do is to change it. Get the chemistry right. Uh, and that can be done only in the spirit. But get it taken care of. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you do these things, you will never stumble. And that brings me to a, a saying that I heard. It's not in the Bible. But a saying that I heard years ago that I think is very true and very worthwhile remembering that it's, easy to live for God hard, but it is hard to live for God easy. When God is the biggest, most important thing in your life, when, when Jesus is on your mind in the morning, throughout the day, with every encounter that you have with anybody, if you're seeking guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit to guide you through every interaction that you come into every day, 
If it's the last thing on your mind, if Jesus is the last thing on your mind as you lay down to go to sleep, and you're thinking about him while you're going to sleep, you're being diligent. If it's not that way, it needs to be made strong. If that's the way it is for you, it's not hard for you to make decisions and choices. Why? Because the decisions and choices about life in this world, in this time that we live in, should be made by us on our rebirth. It should be a, a, a choice that has already been made. Do I, even though I'm weary, even though I've had a bad day and a lot of things went wrong, even though it's not been my pick for glorious days, it's church time. It's happening at church. Will I go? If these things are established in you, that's not a question. That's a hard one to answer. That question's already been answered. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and even more so when you see that day approaching. When it's church time, be there. It's easy. I don't have a hard time deciding that. When it, when it comes around, if I'm able, sometimes the ox gets in the ditch and you've got to pull it out. But if I'm able to go... I don't have to think about that. It's just time to go. So that's a decision I never have to make. When I see something that I've wanted for a long time, like a boat or a truck uh, or a specific car, I'm talking about guy things. I don't know what women see that they have wanted for a long time, uh, new shoes or something. Um, if I know that it's if this, in the spirit, I know that it's not right. I don't have to worry about that. I don't miss church to go buy it or to go get my hands on it or to shop for it. Uh, I go to be where I'm supposed to be. Now, is it just church services? No, it's not necessarily. It's where God calls us to be. When God calls us to do something, he's, I think right now that God's dealing with me to do something and I can't tell for sure if it's him telling me or if it's just something I want to do. So I haven't done it yet. I want to, but I don't want to be out of the will of God. And that's where we're supposed to be, in the will of God, following his, his leading and his direction. Enough on that for right now. Um, it's, it's easy to live for God hard. But it's hard to live for God easy. If, if you just take it lightly, you just take it nonchalantly and, well, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. Well, maybe I'll do this thing that I know I shouldn't. But, you know, I can always just repent later. There's no repentance in that. And there's no later for that, really. There's really no later for that. When you make that decision to do what you know you should do, to not do what you know you should do, the Bible says that that's sin. And if you sin after you've been born again, you crucify Jesus afresh. I know this is heavy stuff, and that's not what this message is really about, heavy stuff. But it is about true stuff. And we all want to be ready. We all want to be prepared. And if I'm making... Anybody uncomfortable, that's good. I thank God for that. Um, because I asked him before to not let it be my words, not my ideas, but I want his to supersede. I want, I want his thoughts and his words to supersede in this message. And um, if somebody's uncomfortable, great. Um, if it's somebody that's not here and they're watching from at home, pay attention to it. It's the same. Uh, I told somebody before service that Jesus works through media too through through technology and digital means he'll work through that too if you're hearing this online um pay attention to it because the spirit will call you and will teach you and that's where i'm going uh so for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ 
That's verse 11, 2 Peter 1 and 11. It says, you will never stumble. So for an entrance to be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a teacher called by God to bring his gospel to you, I must not neglect to remind you of these things to ensure that you are established in the truth. Jesus said in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice. I paused intentionally. My sheep hear my voice. That's really something to reflect on. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? And I know them, and they follow me. It's easy for me to say I belong to Jesus. But if I don't hear him and I don't follow him, that speaks for itself. If I do follow him and I do hear him, that's a good thing. I've been praying the last few days, God, don't ever stop talking to me. He talks to me constantly, all day long. And I thank God that I can hear him. I thank God that I hear that voice. It leads me. It guides me. And I've been praying, God, don't ever stop talking to me. And always let me hear that voice. If I don't hear the voice of God, I am a mess. And, and I, I can't really remember a specific time when I didn't. He's been with me constantly. We, don't, we hear him, but we don't like to hear him all the time because he tells us stuff that our body, our flesh, doesn't really care for too much. It interferes with the lust and the pride and, and, uh, and sin. Uh, and I will give them, they, they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What a promise. What a promise. It's easy to live for him hard, but it is so tough to live for him easy. Never a compromise. There's not room for a compromise in, in living for God. He's either your God or he isn't. Um, and I'll move on from that. My father has given you, given them, uh, or, or you, to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch you out of my Father's hands. Do you think God will let go of you? If he sees you going under, we just heard about this in men's meeting the other night, men's group the other night, uh, when, when uh, Peter was in the storm with the other apostles. They were out at sea, and Jesus came walking to them uh, on the sea. And Peter said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the ship and walked whatever distance it was, but he was within arm's length, arm's reach of Jesus. And he saw the waves, and he was going under. And he cried out, Jesus, save me. And immediately, Jesus grabbed him and saved him. You ask God to save you, he will. If you cry out to him, he's going to take care of you. Nobody's going to snatch you out. of. If, an, if the great octopus from 20,000 leagues under the sea was to wrap its tentacles around you in the sea and start to pull you under and you say, Jesus, save me. He'll, he would have been there. Peter didn't have to worry about what forces were pulling him down because he knew that Jesus would save him, and he did he, immediately. Now, here's the simplicity of the gospel. I know that was the title of the, of the uh, 
the teaching, the lesson tonight, the simplicity of the gospel. Now here we see the simplicity of the gospel in John chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Who's going to do that? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the comforter. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. How simple is that? The simplicity of the gospel. When you are tight with God, when you're running with God, when Jesus is the most important thing in your life and he's on your mind day and night, you have what it takes you have, you have been born again. And if you're born again, then you're not your own. You belong to Jesus. And he's not going to let you go. Everything he has, which is all ability, all power, everything that he has, he will give to the Spirit. And the Spirit will give to you. That's the way it said it. I didn't say it. This is, this is the gospel. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. You stay close to Jesus. You stay alive in the spirit. You, you speak, communicate. Speaking is saying, God, I want this. God, I want that. God, do this. God, do that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about communicate. Lord, what should I want? I don't know. I'm confused. This situation has got me baffled. I don't know what I should want. Show me what I should want. And when you show me, give me power to receive that and to put it into effect in my life. That's what comes with this, is, is power. We don't have the power to do these things on our own. We, well, we, we can probably work a lot of it up for a moment or two, but it doesn't take a full day and, and it's worn out, it's worn weak and we've got another place to fall. But the power of the Spirit in us is what saves us and opens the doors to heaven and opens our understanding to the things of God that are vital for us to live by, that are vital for us to make it every day. The simplicity of the gospel is God's got this. All I have to do is give myself to God totally. And the rest of it, he's got it. If it kills me, I'm stepping on hallowed ground. I've got enough time. Not a whole lot of time. But I had a motorcycle wreck in 2001. And um, when they pulled over, when traffic pulled over, and a nurse and a truck driver came to my side. I didn't have any vitals. And so between the two of them, the truck driver wiped my face because the nurse was going to administer CPR. Well, he wiped my face off, and when he did that, he got some coagulated blood out of my nose, and I started breathing. I got my vitals came back. Since that time, I don't fear death. It was so easy. You're going to get a chance to try it sometime. It was so easy. You don't really have to do anything. You just, it just happens. And it's not a, a bother for me. Uh, it, 
I'm not going to give you all the details, but um, I was a mess. And it's so much of a mess that, that the medical people at the hospital said it was a miracle that I was even alive and that I was probably going to be some kind of basket case. And you might be thinking, well, he is a basket case. But God brought me back. And that's the mighty God I serve. He's going to take care of me no matter what's going on. And he'll see to He's got something for me to do. And part of that is tonight to bring his word to you. But he's got something for me to do. And when he's done with me, it's great. It'll be great. I will be in perfect peace and harmony with him, unlike we ever, we've ever seen here. So the simplicity of the gospel is God's got this. We have any questions? Got two minutes. Anybody have anything to say? Questions? Ask a question, no matter what it is. I'll look for somebody that has an answer. No? Okay, well, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence with us here tonight. I know that you've been here. I have felt you in this service, and I thank you for the words that you've given me to release to your people. I thank you for the things that you have in store for us every day. None of us knows what tomorrow holds, but we do know what you hold, and that is us. And I pray, God, that you would just put a confidence um, and a resolve in each one of us that you are our Savior and that you will reveal to us in every need, in every situation, you will reveal to us the things that we are to do and pay attention to, the things that we are to say. We thank you for that, and we ask you tonight, Lord, to just Bless us and go with us as we leave and do some soul searching in our lives and bring to life again. Bring to life again in each one of us a burning desire to read your word and to love your word and, and to live your word. God, I, I want that for myself and I want that for everybody else because it's such a joy to read your word and, and to receive the things that you feed us when we do read your word, it's different every time. I thank you for that. I pray that you put that as each one of us, uh, that we will leave this place better and that we will improve throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.